What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Podcast, episode 297. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trav. We're plating without him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple yet effective. Just clap my hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this week we watched the menu. Boy, did we. I'm glad we watched it. Oh, man. Me too. I would have just been kind of podlocked. Yeah. So I'm glad it got moved to the front line. Well, anything that's got uh, Voldemort in it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm DTW. Did he play Voldemort? Yeah. I didn't know that. Pretty sure Rafe Finesse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rafe Fines played Voldemort, dude. I didn't know that. I always said it was Ralph Fiends. I mean... Before you got on here, Trav, we went through a hole. <laughs> I looked it up. Oh, yeah, I had a look at now. It, it, it is Ralph. That's you know, but he says mm-hmm. Rafe. Yeah, finds. It's like whatever, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can birdie up, however I mean, you want. Yeah. Ralph, <laughs> we gonna chirp it yeah. up. Yeah, it's Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Tay. <laughs> so being as someone that's in the restaurant industry, Trav. Yes. What was your experience watching this? Because like I've been like, okay, I haven't been to a restaurant like this. I've been to a very nice, like quote unquote upscale restaurant before, right? Where you have to dress up, tux the whole nine yards, you know, whatever. Um, so I know, I know about that environment on the, like, Oh, where well you can't receiving even ask for ketchup. Side. Exactly. Look yeah. at all you have, like, we don't have that here. Yeah. All you have to <laughs> drink is wine and water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So being on the other side of the table, like just from your experience and from your, um, uh, uh, your position and being around that environment, like, I guess how how accurate is some of this stuff uh, oh. to, to a degree? Well, granted, <clears throat> granted, it's not it's exactly. not as high end, obviously, as what right. Uh, what we're seeing depicted in the film. Um, but as far as like that very suppressed rage, yeah, yeah. that Ralph Fiennes portrays throughout it, absolutely relatable. Granted, his is that the exaggerated, like murderous level, yeah. but one can relate to the anger, uh, and, and particularly the part in the in the movie where. When he's talking to Anya, Anya Taylor Joy, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he's whenever they're having their talk, and he goes, you know, uh, I've lost my joy for cooking a long time ago. Like it's been a long yeah. time since I like cooking got me excited. That was the most resonating part of that movie to me. Um, dabbling in that that line of work, and it's true. Um, 
it eventually just becomes this mindless kind of facade that gets put on where you're just, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't care anymore. Well, dude, right. he went full contingency 88. <laughs> oh, that's it. I mean, yeah. dude, marshmallow vest, mic drop, you know, dude. And they're just sitting there looking at him like, like it was a, what I say? Audience with God. Yeah. They were looking at him like, ah, oh. and the yeah. chocolate was melting. <laughs> Now, to kind of take it from the bleakness of being like, yeah, I get it. It, it, Like, it sucks being a cook sometimes and everything. Um, I did did think that it came full circle when Chick's like, your food sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Like, the thing that got her out. I'm not full. The thing that got her out was the simplicity of how she treated him. Well, look what he's been like, dealing with. Could you imagine dealing with those kinds of people? Yeah. Fuck oh, for that, sure. Dude. For yeah. sure. That, like, I relate like, to that as well. you've been here 11 times. It, you, people are lucky to get in here one time, and you can't even remember the name of the fucking dish you had 11 times. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Not to mention um, the creepy pedophile thing, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the... The entitled from the from the from the entitled clientele down to like having those rare moments where you get to make something simple that got you inspired to begin with, and yeah, I mean it. It's a crazy fucking movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it's crazy. Um, but. You can, I could tell someone who I, I could tell the person that wrote this movie he worked in a restaurant. May right. not have been some, you know, he obviously took it and went like full midsummer with it, dude. Yeah, but I mean that that's not just limited to to uh, that high end, like almost avant garde style cooking places where it's like we're going to be this little. Niche little area. We're going to have insane prices because we're going to have insane yeah. ingredients and setups and plating and everything's a big experience. Yeah. We got the best truffles mm. in the world. Outside of that, though, the same feelings, emotions, and motions that come with it, it's applicable to everything from fast food to that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I, I, I it, it has a cathartic way of it, of of having Ralph just straight talk shit to these people, which is something anyone who's ever worked in the restaurant industry or any, well, I mean, really it, it kind of transcends the food industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just anyone who's ever worked in a, in a public service position. Oh yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, you just have that moment where you're like, no, nah, you're going to shut the fuck up or in his case in point, Oh, you're going to die. Like, well, dude, that's yeah. an actor. Like, he was like, like that checks in the mail. I'm like, over here, like, what the actor do to you? Like, where well, these guys are stealing money. This guy's been here a bunch. He's a pedophile. This dude's obsessed, and he fucking gives away all your ingredients, and he for, can't cook for shit. <laughs> but when he was like, it was my only off day, and I'm a very busy yeah. man, and I saw I your that. shit movie. Yeah, he's like, you. it fucking sucked. <laughs> you wasted my off day. He said it ruined the rest of the day. 
Dr. Sunshine or something? Yeah, Dr. Sunshine. Paging Falling Dr. Doctor. Sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. It's like, dude, what the fuck? But no, man, like I, you know, not having worked in the food industry in that way, but like going into anything to where there's, there's passion, you're having fun with it. You're inspired. Like you are, you're in it. And then yeah. it slowly and meticulously eats away at well, you. And then people. Yeah. That doesn't help. It's like, would you guys say it's more, it's almost like an emotional burnout? Uh, I th- yeah. I mean, I would think so. Right. Like I would say an emotional. Cause, well, cause, cause you in can any only position, put it on so much. Well, and, and, and you can only, you can only sit and try to take in so much stuff into consideration for so long before it just sucks, yeah. sucks joy right out of you. Yeah. I know it's a movie podcast that we're getting all like, let's talk about deep stuff. But I mean, the, like this movie has a, you know, it, it surprisingly had a lot going on with it. Yeah. Uh, without even addressing it in the movie, it's you know because like a lot of people are probably gonna watch it and be like, "What the fuck? Where they get that all that shit from?" Yeah, but I think that you know, just like with any movie that deals with a profession, those who have dabbled in that profession are gonna take something a little more than people who aren't. But I think the relatability that or the universe, like the universal core of it, which is that this motherfucker was burnt out. Yeah, he was oh, yeah. tired of the shit, and he was like, "All right, I'm just gonna fucking kill everyone." Yeah, well, and, and it's that thing where, like, and I get it too. This is this is kind of how I related to this. Like, and you guys, you guys were there on the ground floor when this was happening. So get get a uh, promotion. Excited about the promotion. Excited about everything that's going to be happening. What I'm going to be able to do. This, that, and the other then slowly <clears throat> over time it starts chiseling away oh yeah at that joy that i had going into that position to the point where i'm like i could go in and burn the fucking building down yeah you know and be i would be perfectly fine with serving jail time for burning that fucking building down you know well, like you you understand when it happens you're like oh yeah he went postal at work mm-hmm. oh yeah I yeah exactly well yeah. well it's kind of almost like it's it gives you that part that a lot of people it often goes in like un- unspoken of like no one really talks about it but it's the major trade-off of having control yes you are you are like you're like when you get to any kind of position in life where the buck stops with you uh there's like so much other stuff that starts factoring in uh, holding a certain standard, uh, a case in point with food, it's, it's quality. It's, yes. you know, I mean, and, and it's yeah. applicable to everything. Uh, and like, in I, in uh, in Adam's profession, like quality Bro, is a, is a absolute fucking assured. I can't tell like, you how many times I've had someone call me to come to their house to fix their shit. And then they try to tell me how to do it. Yeah, right. And you're there. like, Dude. and I'm like, why'd you call? It makes me want yeah. to go out to my car and get a fucking baseball bat. Yeah, right. and just come back in there and bust everything. But it's that yeah. control they can't let you. No, no, no. You're not in charge here. 
Yeah. You, you know, it's kind of like that. It's that they yeah. don't want to, they don't want to, you know, and then some of them, they act like, well, it's almost like you, it challenges their ego. Yeah, exactly. You right. I know more than them or. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Lord, you call me. I don't, yeah. I don't even know you. Look. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a, in a scene in the movie that, that, that kind of, it was very creepy. I thought the, one of the creepiest aspects of the movie was in constant view the all, the whole way through most of the time. And it was his staff. Yeah. yeah. That was another thing too. The loyalty that they had for him was creepy. Yeah. Uh, like that's that that's that midsummer I would say yeah. uh yeah earlier yeah you know um like unquestionable to the point that when chick was just being nosy uh the other one was like he didn't tell me to go get shit you're not gonna, replace, you're not gonna me. replace me yeah as a threat yeah I'm number down two. to the very like down to the point to 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 the point that when it's time for everything to go all heaven's gate like. <laughs> they go out into the dining room and plate the floor. That's that. That, that was, was cool. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. And I loved his speech too. He was yeah. like the s'more, the the most offensive assault Bro, on the palate. Yeah, yeah, he just that. And then I loved how like you know whenever he would bring stuff out, you know that that they'd give that little small explanation of what the name is and stuff. And I loved how in the in the s'more they had that little bit of comedy where it was like s'more, graham cracker, marshmallow, chocolate, staff, customers, yeah. chef. <laughs> like, yeah, I chuckled at that. That was uh, that was that was that was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. the 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 kitchen staff there that that was just they just I don't know like they were just toiling away in the background the entire time. And the only time they stopped was when any any moment in the movie when he was when when Fiends or Head Chef would be like, Come again or have that look like, Are you mm-hmm. fucking kidding me? Or someone spoke out of line, they'd stop. Yeah. And it would be like, Oh, god damn, they're on point. Yeah. Tyler's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Tyler's bullshit. When they give you the breakdown. <clears throat> but yeah, that that was my biggest thing from my experience watching it was like, I I recognize this. I yeah. recognize this burnout, this, this feeling of complete unappreciation, right? Yeah. And like these people are paying God knows how much money to go to this exclusive dining experience on this Island to eat some of the greatest food that's ever been, that's ever been put on a plate. And he's just so over it. Like, He's just so, and most people, when they get to that point, they either do one of a couple of things. And I th- I think that what he did was one of those things. They either go postal, they decide to do a, a complete career change at that point, or um, they have a, a midlife crisis where they quit their job, sell their house, you know, Buy leave their wife. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They have a complete like midlife crisis breakdown. And what he did is not unheard of, and it's not out of the realm of possibility by any stretch of the imagination, but I get it. And like him, him being there and him being chef and then his staff being staff, there were like those moments that he had with her where he was just like, you're not one of them. You're one of us. Like, you know, what do you do for work? How do you feel about it? Like, 
you know, those couple of moments that really humanized him as a character, <clears throat> you could really see that like, well, he, even he, so, even so much so that it happened in, in the office, like, like how yeah. it would happen at, 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 a, at a restaurant job or, I mean, yeah. any other kind of job for that matter. But I, I, I picked up on that too, because it's almost like the office and the walk-in of a restaurant is where the therapy sessions go down. Yeah. And whenever they were having their conversations, I was like, I, I mean, so many times I've walked walked in and seen something like that playing out yeah yeah and yeah so for sure yeah i i I agree but yeah man i looking at it from that standpoint and like being in that position not so long ago and like understanding like and and agreeing with him and like rooting for the bad guy yeah. Even though he's not the bad, you know what I mean? Like, well, they're the all more the you bad get to guys. know these motherfuckers, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, them. yeah, exactly. Well, like, right. and, and how, how, I mean, maybe it was just me, but how dismal was his living quarters? Yeah, right. I mean, he he had some issues that he he didn't work out it's in like his, it was own his whole life. life. Yeah, like his he consumed room was the fucking restaurant. It was yeah. like a replica of it. Yeah, like. So it, it's, it's, yeah, a lot going on there behind. And then the, the situation with the mom was very unhealthy. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's a very yeah. unhealthy situation with the mom in, in those moments. Cause like, <clears throat> you know, he told the story about the dad and the mom and all that kind of stuff, but there's more there. They definitely didn't get into it, but there's absolutely more there with that situation that is not healthy whatsoever. And like, so, I mean, he was kind of doomed from the get go. He he got his chance. At, you know, it's kind of like the thing with like whiplash, right? What happens to the kid after the end of whiplash after that performance? And then the writer comes out and is like, well, he probably dies pretty early, you know, like, you, you know, and that's, that's the sad reality of it, but that's real life though, you know? So I really liked what they did with this man. And it was real. It was real. Like, I don't know. I don't know how it wasn't. It wasn't overboard. No, it wasn't extravagant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I almost wouldn't classify this as, as a horror film more so as a thriller. Yeah. Um, But it's yeah, it's it's it was one of those things because like they, the the deaths in the movie were not gratuitous, no, um, or just the violence overall wasn't. When it was, it was quick. It was like you know yeah. very you know it was it, it it was it was effective. Yes, like when the guy yeah. shoots and, himself, it's like okay, yeah, we're doing that now. Shit got real real quick. Yeah, I mean, and I mean you know. The, it was almost like the structure of the movie was there just to keep your attention in a way because all all of the nuances in the writing and the performances is what made the movie what it was. Because, I mean, you have all right, a bunch of people, there's a killer, people are dying, they think they can get out of there, 
they think helps arrived helps been in on it the whole time like it's not it's we've seen that that formula a million other times you know yeah for sure but but it's i mean to 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 stay in with the uh, theme of the movie the ingredients of this yeah. film were were perfect though it's what made it different yes and it made it it made it refreshing too because you know we don't get a lot of these these high end like well these big budget films are I, I would call it big budget drama top thriller movies we don't get a lot of them yeah um in in a world that's dominated right now by like fantasy sci-fi superheroes like i mean equally fun and enjoyable stuff but you know nothing nothing uh i hate to to use the term old school you know yeah but no i i agree 100 percent, man it is a very much needed breath of fresh air and it's amazing that like this wasn't put out by a24 right no. So it's amazing that you kind of see that that has broken free in a way to where it's like people are like, oh, I can tell different kinds of stories mm-hmm. and and have these elements of like horror or a thriller or comedy or I can kind of mix all these elements together as long as the writing is real tight and real good, then everything's fine. And I'm glad that that's happening. Cause like the, you know, I, just like you said, Trav superhero movies, like big budget, like all that kind of stuff is dominated for so long now. It's very nice to sit down and watch something like this and like, and then after it's over, think about it, you know what I mean? And, and like apply it to your own life in some way, or at least recognize it for experiences that you've gone through. I don't know what it's like to beat Thanos but I know what it's like to want to go to work and, and burn the building down, you know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a core trait that that's missing from certain pop culture stuff. And while there's themes and, and, and metaphors that play out that you can relate to, this one just seems to have, it, it, it hits a little harder, you know, it's it feels personal. Oh, for sure. And, you know? and, and like I said, it, it, you don't even have to even really be in this line of work, uh, to, to just echo what you guys said, man, um, to, to feel and witness what burnout looks like. Cause outside of the shock and awe factor of the movie, the moments where he's just shit talking these people, I mean, you, you can't help but agree with them. Yeah. You can't help, but, you know, at, from a certain age up, you know, you know, you've experienced a moment like that at some point, like in your mind, like you don't necessarily are going uh, off the deep end, like Ralph Fiennes character was, but you are very much like today's the day that, you know, the politeness is gone. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very interesting real quick before we wrap up. So the director for this directed, um, sh- uh, several episodes of Shameless. A lot of TV, couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, one episode of the TV miniseries Minority Report. An episode of The Affair. Episode of Once Upon a Time. So this is like the and working on Succession. 
Yeah. Um, Some of the riders series. worked on that too. Yeah. So, and this is the first feature. And then Seth Re- Reese or Seth Rice has primarily been a writer for comedy. I was surprised. Call, well, they, they call this a dark comedy, but I was like, it had yeah. some funny moments, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I could, I can absolutely. Yeah. That that's the, that, that's the bullseye, man. Yeah. Well, y'all saw the producer credit for Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, so yeah. it was their company. Yeah. Uh, but that those first couple of uh, credits that he had though, uh, shameless. While I haven't watched necessarily all of it, I've watched little bits of both versions, mm-hmm. and um, the wife loves it. She's watched every bit of it. Um, even the uh, the older kids are were raving about it and telling me to check it out. And I've seen a little bit here and there, but yeah, like that's. I mean, it, it's well written. It's very. I mean, it's it seems good, right. So, yeah, man, um, I'm glad that they got their first feature and they knocked it absolutely out of the park, man. Yeah. Well, it shows you that, that it, and the mold's kind of already been broken for a long time, but it does, it does tell you that there's more to people who specialize in comedy than just mm-hmm. simple jokes and just simple, like, you know, quick laughs and stuff. There's, there's more to the psychology behind being able to craft a joke and it's being aware of all the other factors and being able to take those things and write something that is a complete 180 of what they're known for. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Jordan Peele, you know, you see Ken yeah. Peele, you know, there's great skits going on in it. And then, you go watch his films, and while there's a tinge of of comedy there that he's known for, uh, very great, serious, you know, director, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it, man. I wasn't expecting J-God to show up in it either. Um, I'm giving it a full star. <laughs> he does look like J-God. Didn't that guy that tried to break the window yeah. look like J-God? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. He's like the fucking TTK for this yeah. weapon. It's like, dude, get the fuck it. And that was one thing too, like that, that I thought was interesting as well was like all these people that were, that were kind of a representatives of an older society. Like you have the, the lady that, you know, makes or breaks people with her yeah. reviews for restaurants. You have, you know, the, the kids that have been, you know, laundering money and, and doing all this stuff. You have, the foodie you have, you know, you have the couple that are on tough times and there's some weirdness going on there, but you, they didn't really introduce the idea of like quote unquote technology or anybody that makes a living in or with technology. If that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like the, the people that are being the representatives are all old school. They're all from an older breed. They're all, you know, they're businessmen. They're they're you know just food fans in general. They're well, critics. They're, they're they're detached from reality. Oh yeah, yeah. And she wasn't. That's why he saw it in her. He's like, yeah. Oh, you're normal. Yeah, compared you're, to these folks. Yeah. 
You've been treated like shit before. Yeah. Well, like when that one dude well, told her, he's like, you're being a child. <laughs> Sit down. Yeah. I never should have brought you here. Yeah. Well, one of, he, another, he, he, an, another good part in the movie that I really liked, too, was... Because he was constantly, you know, each dish got him to shit talk a certain someone. Yeah. Like, you know, any given guest would have to stand up and basically eat shit for a second from him. Yeah. And I liked how after the uh, Coast Guard, you know, in on it uh, twist, you know, he even looked, you know, he basically says, "You, you, you guys are so fucking stupid, you know. You could have honestly overtook me. You yeah. probably could have won. Like, you probably could have done it. Yeah. And they're just so, you know, back to what I said, they're so detached that they, they just, they, like, that, that, that thought never crossed their fucking minds. Because, oh. you know, you have, you know, you everyone's seen a movie at some point where, you, like, it even kind of, I even took it as a nod wink to the viewer where it's like, you know, those movies were like, you, you, you could absolutely go, man, he could have whooped his ass yeah. or he yeah. could have did this, that, and the other, grabbed the knife, grabbed the gun, whatever. Uh, in this movie, he, they, they straight up addressed that, that, that whole point and they're just like, no, they're fucking stupid. That's why. Yeah. Like, well, they all believe that the world's going to stop when they say stop. And it just doesn't. They all, like, even at the end, they plate the floor. They put the marshmallow, you know, shroud and the yeah. fucking, the chocolate Old topper chocolate on them. Yeah. And like, and they could have just ran out the fucking door. Yeah. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, but they sit there and just let it happen. And they were all looking at him like, oh. he's a genius. Greatest meal ever. You know, oh, except dude. for Where Tyler's bullshit. Well, well, when he grabs that hot coal, though, remember that moment where he's talking to that chick and he holds his hand over the candle and he goes, got chef's hands. He's like, I carry a cast iron skillet from a wood, uh, from like a wood oven to, to your plate without so much as flinching. Yeah. And it's just those little moments where you're like, I mean, if you're constantly working with your hands, whether it's a restaurant, you're a handyman, a carpenter, or whatever, you get to a point where you've banged your hands up, fucked them up so much that, like, yeah, they're tough. They've, they've, you yeah. know, like, it, it was just kind of, it was a, it was a, a low key badass moment. Like, like I'm not one to fuck with. Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm giving it a full star. I fucking loved it from beginning to end. I was sitting there mouth breathing and fucking Ralph, dude, he kills it in everything <laughs> yeah. that, that he does for sure. And in I this, mean, you gotta love, I mean, he, he, he is the quintessential love to hate. Yes. Character actor. Yes. I want to hang out with him, dude. And I mean, has there ever been a film where he's a good guy? Let's see. Let's see what Ralph has been up to here. He was in the Grand Budapest Hotel, so. Because the three that I always, the three movies of his that come to mind, beside this one now, uh, is always Schindler's List, and uh, uh, of course he's fucking Voldemort, you know? Yeah. Well, he was M in the James, the newer James Bond movie. Oh, man. Yeah. I lose lose Bond points for that. I should have remembered that (laughs) shit. 
Um, they played Hades in Clash of the Titans. Let's see. Yeah, he was the dude in Red Dragon. I forgot all about that. Whoa. He was the voice of Ramses in The Prince of Egypt. Ah, yeah. I mean... I mean, he's a good he's a good antagonist. Well, he just yeah. fits it. Well, he yeah, everything about he's got, him. He's got that fucking look of "Don't fuck with me." Well, it's like it's, it's like face. well, dude, it's like he he filmed that scene in Schindler's List where he's on that balcony with that fucking rifle, and that echoed throughout his whole career. Like oh, yeah. I can play an evil motherfucker, dude. Yeah, like his his name is Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton. Mm. Wachham finds. Well, at least he shortened it. Yeah. He was born in 1962. He's English, Irish, and Scottish. We might be related. I feel like he would probably make a really good journalist character in a movie or a like an old school private eye. Like the damsel comes in. What's in a name? Yeah. <clears throat> But full yeah, star. I'm giving it a full star, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It gets the coveted real estate golden gun lighter. I'll be recommending it to people. Oh yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Don't want to talk about a uh talk about a little bit of movie news here. Oh, yeah. All right. First up, we have... So, there's been some VFX drama that's happened Uh over the past... Over the past little bit, especially during, like, the pandemic and things like that, about Disney not being very kind to their visual effects artists. Sweatshop. Yeah. Well, Well, it's like they've stretched them thin a little bit. Yeah. So it says here that after VFX artists in charge of Marvel Studios movies pointed out bad labor codes by the company last year, members from all over the world are ready to get together and form their own Hollywood union to prevent these conflicts from continuing. A recent report from Vulture revealed that the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Workers Associated with VFX Artists examined their payment rate, working conditions, and long-term sustainability. According to Ben Spott, uh, an organizer of the Animation Guild and advocate for VFX unionization, the result of the study was scandalous. Overwhelming with the right strategy led by VFX workers themselves in the next year, there could be an opportunity for a group to move forward, be successful, and establish their first union. The report also pointed out that Marvel artists were paid 20% less than the ones working in other studios. The magazine spoke to VFX artist Mark Patch, who was approached by the studio to work on a TV show. Besides the low payment, Patch didn't like other conditions imposed by the company, such as the impossibility of uh, talking about anything related to the job he was doing and for whom. Additionally, the working hours and the deadlines were extreme, which didn't help the situation. So, 
yeah, they could be unionizing and that could change up a lot of things, right? I mean, well, realistically. Well, I mean, the it seems like Marvel might have done something to the effect of in order to get some of those, in order to honor some of those long-term contracts with actors, yeah, they had to reduce, they had to cut costs throughout the whole production. Yeah. And I think it's a shot in the foot that the most, probably the, the most vital team in your production is your visual effects team. Cause without them, these movies won't look like they'll, they'd be dog shit. Yeah. There's a reason we're not getting them to now, and it's because visual effects is finally caught up to make this type of stuff happen. And if you're working with, which I mean, come on, guys, we've sat through the credits. Look at how fucking big the visual effects credit is. It's a, it's one of those three rows, goes on for about a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um. It- like on the one hand, it's like yeah, they they kind of need to have the the good the good cushion job, you know, like yeah. good pay, like that's the department you want to work out work at, you know. Yeah. But on the other hand, though, is this all central centered around the fact that they're pissed about an NDA, which is what they knew they'd have to sign by taking on these jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and as popularity of the MCU group, they knew that, 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 that they, they had to know some of these people had to know when they were making a scene, like, I don't know, Thanos snapping the infinity gauntlet that they're like, yeah, this could be a big pop culture thing, like some sort of relevancy there and that they would have to keep their fucking mouth shut about it. Right. And if it's like a, if it's a thing where it's that coupled with long hours, cause like, uh, you're familiar with HR uh, stuff. When you when they say um, earlier in the article um, that code, yes, um, and they said they they abuse it. Let me let me let me pull it up myself. Because um, I was going to ask you something specifically. Okay, so it says bad labor codes. Um, could you crash course, could you crash courses with that, with like the legal labor codes that are kind of universal across all stuff like that? Well, I mean, I would just assume like working conditions, uh, quality of life, um, balance of work life, like things like that is what it sounds like to me. Because like if they're running a sweatshop and you're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, um, non-stop and you don't have everything that you need to do your job. Like some of these reports where people were living in the offices, right? While they were working on some of this VFX stuff, which is unacceptable and dangerous, you know? Well, I mean, well, well, I guess, I guess I was wondering because when I say working conditions, I'd be like, man, a lot of these folks could probably do their job out of their house. They, yeah, they probably won't let you take that material out of the yeah building yeah that's, that's right that would that would violate all that probably for sure yeah well dude the fact that these people and they're not paying them enough 
I mean, they're making no, billions. Yeah, twenty percent, twenty percent less than other companies. And that's exactly I mean, what I was thinking when he was reading the article. Was these movies would just be a pile of shit without these people? Exactly. Like right. this is your. These are the people that need to be happy. They work better. Yeah. Now we know like why that, the kid in Thor looks so bad the first time around. Like. Yeah. I mean, they're the reason why space is a pleasure to look at in the Marvel movies. Yeah. Y'all have seen so, the stock footage off these sets? It's nothing but blue screens, green screens. Yeah. I and mean, markers, you know? Yeah. And I, and I could see, you know, with those, with, with them unionizing, like they're like, look, let's face it. Let, let's be realistic about everything. I don't know how everything was pre pandemic. Right. Because mm-hmm. this didn't really start popping up until we were into the pandemic where everything got put on hold and then everything got scrambled. And, you know, like, I don't know, it, it, it's just it seems like that was kind of like either the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of like what all's been going on or that's when things really got out of hand and out of control. Um. So I don't I don't know what that contributed to it, but that's to me, based off of the things that we've read and seen around the internet, that that is kind of a focal point for a lot of this stuff happening. So, and I can imagine like they're off work for a year, a year and a half, and then they come back and then they just like work them to death. For well, there's also well, there's also domino effects. Like that's a that's a fucking thing, man. And the domino effect I would say with Marvel is that if we're if we're pointing to the pandemic as at least the tipping point, yeah, then it had like the 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 thing that gave the green light for everyone to be like, you know what, I guess it's time to air out our grievances. Yeah, it's also it's it's it was during the Black Widow stuff. Yeah, where, oh yeah, we remember know, she came out too and was like, "Y'all motherfuckers lied." I want more money. Um, and that was just a few years ago. And, you know, we also, you know, we covered that article where Marvel even has come out and was like, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're doing away with long-term contracts now. Like we're going to work on a project by project basis, other than honoring the Fox contracts that have to be either renewed or, you know, fulfilled or whatever. Right. So it's just one more piece to a larger behind the scenes puzzle at how Marvel operates. Yeah. And it sucks because it doesn't look that good to be honest. Yeah. 20% less. That's crazy, dude. That's insane. And you got the highest grossing films. Yes. Billions. I don't even want to think about how much money they've grossed in the past 12 years you know like jesus enough to pay these people what they're worth and exactly and you know and i feel like with with um if the if the unionization comes through i feel like two two possible outcomes is going to be obviously better quality films mm-hmm. because it's going to be the understanding that that team's going to be paid adequately, treated adequately, and you know all all the you know the big compensation package for their service, right? But on the other hand, we're gonna we're gonna lose qu- 
quantity of yeah. stuff, meaning that obscure character that was on the table suddenly isn't. Yeah. And that could be a good thing because not every character in these comic franchises are really really worth adapting and that's coming from from a from a reader quality you know? over quality like, yeah yeah and i think that's a good thing that's a great thing but i feel like with you know with any kind of thing going on with the internet you know there's there's, there's going to be a group of people that are going to hate it but i would be willing to forgo several lackluster projects for a few really good ones yeah well dude once they unionize though like they really could have the film company by the balls yeah because they're like well this movie's got to be out by finished by this day and they're like oh well i mean we might strike well i mean the, the the cinema goer uh is faithful to two things marvel and james cameron and I don't think those reins are ever going to be like handed over or lost. Like Marvel doesn't superhero fatigue can exist and Marvel will still make a bunch of money. Um, I'm going to call it now though. Eventually be a day where there's just going to be a Marvel TV channel. Yeah, for real. Right. I mean, they're really, I mean, it technically exists on, on the app and stuff like it. It's, just a an on-demand channel but eventually you're gonna have you're gonna be able to scroll through you know if, if someone you know if you're still subscribing to cable or satellite you're gonna come across the marvel channel and yeah. it's gonna you know oh thor 2's on tonight cool yeah let me let me crack in on that let's see what's going on there you know so i said that to say that like marvel marvel has finally re- reached that point where they know they're not going anywhere and they don't have to worry about like longevity's been established now. Yeah. Uh because even their even their lowest points are still really 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 high. Yeah. Um they're, they're you're going to hear though. you're going to you're going to hear more about a Marvel movie flopping than you're going to hear about something like the menu. Instead of yeah, like coming easily. out and being like, let's just pay these people what they're worth, you know, give them whatever they want. They're making, they're printing the money for us. They'll be like, we need to invest in a way to figure out to get AI up to the level to where it can just animate yeah. for us. Yeah. So, I mean, that union that being, shit, that could get sloppy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and with that and, and everything, I guess it's just the short form is the brand loyalty to Marvel is there that if they need to cut down on the amount of projects they release, and kind of string it out a little longer rather than this yearly wave that they're giving us, they can absolutely do it. And when they come back with something new, people will eagerly throw money at them. Yeah. Because honestly, the past 20 years of Marvel stuff has almost felt like, well, I mean, it's hitting 20. Hell, it, it is. It's over 20. Let's just, I mean... Blade was pretty yeah. much the start. Um, they've been moving. At, they've been moving at such a breakneck speed. It's almost like they're getting in and getting out. Yeah. So we'll see. What, like, yeah, the the unionization could get messy, and it could make it harder for not only Marvel but 
any studio to get any type of um, visual effects. And like, look, pay them what they're worth. Give them a, you know, uh, give them plenty of time to get something done. So you can't, you can't work on like pack mules. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and for sure. Do that, you need more people. Yeah. But also more. the, yeah. So this could be, you know, this could be a good thing for the employees, but this could also be a negative thing to where like, you know, coming from a union environment where I have, all I have to do is the bare minimum, bare minimum every yeah. single day. It's all right when you're in the union. Exactly. But if you're on the other side of that union. God damn. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a slippery slope, man. So. But next up here, China unexpectedly lifts ban on Marvel films just in time for Black Panther 2 and Ant-Man 3 releases. So with two of Marvel's biggest cinematic sequels right around the corner, a rather big MCU plot twist has suddenly come to surprise just about everyone. According to a report by Collider, China has now officially lifted the ban on all Marvel films after three years. Uh, and it will be just in time for the premieres of both Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Ant-Man the Wasp and the Wasp Quantumania in the country this February. Uh, China. Oh my God, this ad is in the middle of the article. Hold on. Okay. China, which has the world's second largest theatrical market, had last shown the ever memorable finale of MCU's third phase Avengers Endgame back in 2019, contributing to the uh, film's earth-shattering box office success. Following the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, the country first enacted the complete ban on Marvel films from all of its uh, theaters back in 2021 when the Black Widow film first premiered. That decision led to an 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 expected significant downturn. I don't know why those words together make me fucking talk. Yeah. Uh, and global ticket sales for Marvel Studios. Given the strange timing and China, China's refusal to state a clear reason as to why the ban was implemented in the first place, speculation has swirled online ever since the amount, announcement of, of its lifting. Director Chloe Zhao uh, has mused that the decision could have been a motive by Chinese regulators to prioritize uh, local content over international projects, but it remains to be seen. I was thinking that they had a problem with Shane Chi. I was about to bring that up. So I'm wondering yeah. because that was one they were like, we're not letting people watch that here. So yeah. I wonder if the band's lifted on that now. Yeah, I, I want, because I mean, that's going to play an important part in yeah. the future, you know? So what's funny though oh. is like I just picture that the CCP saw the trailer for Ant Man and was like, we got to lift the band, bro. I mean, yeah, that looks man. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I I hate to 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 back us up, but we're still on the topic of Marvel, so I feel like it's still worth mentioning. Um, so according to Payscale dot com, um, just take a guess at what a visual effects artist salary might be. I'm gonna say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Low ball, high ball. I'm gonna say between forty and sixty. I was thinking sixty. All right. 
you're on y'all are on the money with the 60s so check this it's it's a quick little paragraph an early career visual effects artist with one to four years of experience earns an average total compensation, including tips, bonus, and overtime pay of $63,245 based on 55 salaries. A mid-career visual effects artist with five to nine years of experience earns an average total of 72414 based off of 27 salaries. An experienced artist with 10 to 19 years of experience earns an average total of 88437 based on 17 sal sal salaries. Sorry, In their late career, 20 years and higher, employees earn an average total of $97,500. I mean. Well, if they were paying them less... That tells me that it wasn't people with a lot of experience because yeah. they're not going to stick around. It's like, bitch, I got 12 years into this. I'm so I'm it's fast. so so I'm yeah. wondering how that translates with Marvel. Because um, I think this is just generalized as just a average visual effects artist salary. So this isn't specific to Marvel. Um, but if it's 20 percent less. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's rough. Ow. Yeah, that's rough. But th this, they put this band, so like Shang-Chi didn't come out. They put it out right before Black Widow, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange, right? Those are the those are the four movies that wasn't released yeah. theatrically there, right? Well, we're also talking at this time there was no going to the theater. Yeah, China. exactly, right? Yeah. So here's my question: um, If it wasn't the Shang Chi thing, and they're fine, fine with it, are they going to re-release those movies theatrically in China? Well. I don't think so because I believe they're still having lockdown measures happen. Right oh, okay. So what I think the band lift's done is it's probably allowed Disney to have their Disney like it's content to keep people indoors. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that about them being under strict lockdown still like still, you know. Yeah, I live in my own little bubble. You know, um, like, so I think, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate, but I think there's like seven different strands of the thing over there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not stating that as fact, but that's, I'm they said there was sure. something like 5,000 people a day. Jesus Christ. So man. many that they said they're not going to report the numbers anymore. They're just not gonna report them, but but yeah, I think that's what the band probably is. Is it's an attempt to have content for for those that are still at home and right in those larger populations populated areas that are uh, dealing with uh, lockdown measures. Yeah. Next up here, 
they're making a sequel to Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah. It's reportedly filming this year. So in 2004, the controversial yet immensely popular film directed, written, and co-produced by actor Mel Gibson titled Passion of the Christ was released in theaters. It starred Jim Caviezel as Jesus. Uh, and then I'm not going through the rest of them. The film narrated the last moments of Jesus Christ from his uh, supplications in the Garden of Gethsemane. 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 I can never pronounce that right. Yeah. <laughs> through his betrayal at the hands of Judas. Film continued uh, by depicting the trials and tribulations Jesus underwent at the hand of uh, Pilate and King Herod and the physical torment mockery he was forced to endure. When the sentence condemning Jesus to death is given, he bears hefty wooden cross uh, along the length of his body uh, while being beaten horribly and surrounded by crowds of onlookers jeering at him. We all know the story. Yeah. Passion of the Christ went on. <laughs> Passion of the Christ was both a box office and in many ways a critical success. It garnered several awards, including several Oscar nominations for Best Cinematography and Best Original Score. The film pulled in over a little over $612 million in worldwide box office sales, making it the fifth highest grossing film in all of 2004 and the highest grossing Christian-based film of all time. Fast forward to 2023, and the sequel to The Passion of the Christ will reportedly begin filming around uh, springtime, according to a report by World of Real. Currently, the film maintains its working title, The Passion of the Christ Resurrection, Returning to the film is Jim Caviezel as Jesus Christ and Mel Gibson as director. The sequel is said to be even more controversial than the original film. The plot will entail the final three days of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the hereafter. All the fallout and shit. Yeah. So I know that they've been talking on and off about a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. And I thought all that went away whenever Gibson got canceled, yeah. right? But he's, he's, he's so, yeah, he's slowly making his way back into favor with, uh, with the common man. Right. Yep. So, I mean, it makes sense why, um, why he would be tackling something like this. I just, it's, it's being, well, wasn't found. it, wasn't it Robert Downey Jr. at an award show that kind of gave a, Hey, we need to forgive him. I think so. Right. Yeah, I think. I think so. I, I'm, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure, but I'm pretty sure there's a clip somewhere where Downey is accepting something, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna take the mic for a second. Yeah. So uh, if they, I mean, they're filming it. Sounds like it's gonna happen unless there's a huge, you know, protest or something crazy like that happens. So I'm, I'm interested to see. Like it's been. 20 well, years almost, right? Well, yeah, and here's the thing. I I went and watched this. I went and watched The Passion of the Christ in theaters. Yeah, now, there were there were circumstances at play there, but I saw it in the big screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was intense as hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. It's still. That movie's fucking Um, I don't know if watch. it's because of... Yeah, I don't know if it's because our just our own, our upbringing and how that factors in, uh, from our region of the world. But, um, that like, it's just that the movie, it doesn't, it doesn't bother you, but it's just, 
it's weird seeing something you hear about so much throughout your life and it looking yes. so real like the, they really yes. went into detail with the beating and the um, yeah yeah i mean the non-tells people scene, have heart attacks the non-tells yeah. scene when oh, you when see the flesh. side of his 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 oh. skin just get ripped off um that was rough yeah. really rough what's so, uh but the cinematography for that movie was excellent even even my young kid brain at the time was like this movie looks really good yeah it's interesting because I watched a documentary several years ago that was on uh, Netflix about uh, horror movies. Um, and this documentary touched on, of course, horror movies from like, you know, way back, you know, in the twenties, all the way up until modern day slasher films, you know, things like that possession films. And also it covered snuff films, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, a lot of the, um, a lot of people consider the passion of a Christ, a snuff film. And I never really looked at it that way, you know, because like this, like, like Travis was saying, this is something that we've heard about our whole lives. You know, it's kind of been beat into our heads and ingrained in our DNA almost um, because of where we live and everything. And you go, I went to the movies, I watched it. It was hard to watch. I think I've watched it once, maybe twice. I may have watched it one time, you know, after the theater experience, but I have no interest in going back and watching. No, it's you know? rough, dude. Yeah, and I've never considered it. I've never looked at uh, looked at it and thought like, "This is a snuff film." Like you're you're watching someone that is being beaten to death, then nailed to a piece of wood, and then stabbed once he gets mm -hmm. nailed to the wood because he's and not just hangs there. And, yeah, and just hangs there and Terrible. dies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and I, I, it's very interesting. I can't remember the name of that documentary, but it really does kind of give you a different outlook on, you know, it being portrayed as, as a snuff film and, and how that kind of changes up your experience watching it. Because whenever I watch it, I'm like, Oh, this is about Jesus and the trials and tribulations of the last days. And people are like, no, it's a snuff film. You saw, you see someone get beat to death and then hung from wood and it's like yeah you're right you're yeah. right you know like at the end of the day you're right so it's you very know, interesting things funny about this is like you know hollywood's kind of had that thing where they're kind of just kind of yeah. anti yeah yeah religion mm -hmm. but they're willing to double dip on this yeah right it made 612 million make a sequel in 2004 yeah we need another one yeah. Oh, I mean, I remember in 2004, like you, like there was the week that that movie dropped, the radio, TV, it's all you heard about. It was all the radio. Yeah. 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 So, next up here, Glenn Howerton, it's always sunny, would love to join the MCU Fantastic Four reboot. So, Glenn wants to play. Uh, he wants to be in. He wants to be in the Fantastic Four film as Reed Richards. Now, until we get official confirmation, we're you know we've talked about a lot of these rumors, but you know sometimes it's hard to separate someone from you know whenever you see them playing the same character oh, yeah. for so long. 
I don't know if I'm going to be able, like if they legitimately cast him, I think that he would do a great job. Sure. Well, you're not, you're not going to see Mr. Fantastic. You're going to see Glenn Howerton yeah. playing Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And you know, all those, like, cause there was a running thing that he was a serial killer Yeah, and it's always so, so like me. Well, like, <laughs> well, I think all... another, I think another example too, um, is Benedict Cumberbatch. As much as I enjoy Doctor Strange, when yeah. I see it, I'm like, it's Benedict, it's it's Sherlock playing a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I get it. I mean, the performance is good. You know, it's it's nothing on that. But, you know, like, like it's just like what you said. Um, it, It's almost the, it's the reverse of... Uh, of when a character should, or when an actor should own a role. Yeah, right, yeah. He would definitely be cheaper. Yeah, oh yeah. And some of the other... I know this sounds weird, but he kind of looks like the guy from the original Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, he does, right? Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, I feel like that's worth pointing out. If if they ever make a G4 movie, he's playing Kevin Pereira. I mean, you can pull it off. Yeah, for attack sure. Of the, right. Attack of the movie. Yeah. So. Oh, Last man. up here. Oh, uh, 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 I know we're late to the party on this because we don't really discuss uh, t- TV network stuff a whole lot. But did you guys happen to catch any of that rise and fall of G4 stuff? No. I watched oh, the man. meltdown on motherfucking Twitter, though. Like, that was just... Um, Oh man, just, uh, I'm sure there's, there, I'm sure there's a content creator out there that's cataloged it and got it on YouTube. Just pull it up and find it. It's, it's ridiculous. Like it oh, was, I, uh, and this is like current G4, right? Like, yeah. Like within the past, like couple of years yeah. and okay. it like, they tr- like, remember when they, when we saw, when we read the article, we did read the article on, on, uh, on air one day um where they were bringing it back and they were talking about bringing it back well they did yeah yeah. and it wasn't the g4 we grew up watching yeah i know it was yeah at all i I saw some stuff from the 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 yeah i I saw a lot of the stuff that kind of like caused the a lot of the other stuff to start spinning out of control adam after people on twitter dude like a ton of topics that are not worth bringing up for the pod but yeah it it was it was a total shit show yeah sounds about right so last up here viral horror movie skinamarink scares up huge eight hundred ninety thousand dollar opening weekend box office so some of the most intriguing and surprising movies of the last year have been low budget horror movies such as barbarian x and terrifier 2 the next movie to join these unexpected box office hits is Skinner Marink, a social media viral success that brings a new horror to the found footage subgenre and is already making waves at the box office since its Friday the 13th release. Skinner Marink is certainly I'm a not a sucker for these movies, man. Uh, it's certainly not a formulaic horror movie by any means, so its limited cinematic debut in just 692 theaters across the U.S. could have easily seen the film struggle to make any kind of impact. However, 
from its next to nothing $15,000 reported budget, Ooh. the buzz around Skinner Inc. has seen the film take an amazing 890000 across the four-day weekend, almost 60 times its budget. Horror movies have always been a box office win and unlike many genres, it is one that filmmakers are willing to take a risk on, even if they have to do it on a fraction of the budget offered by big studios. Like many of the other indie successes of the last year, Skinamarink is a movie that probably shouldn't make the kind of money it has, but something about these unconventional horrors just keep on pulling in the crowds. The, synop- the synopsis of Skinamarink reads, Two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing and all the windows and doors in their house have vanished. To cope with the strange situation, the two bring pillows and blankets to the living room and settle into a quiet slumber party situation. They play well-worn videotapes of cartoons to fill the silence of the house and to distract from the frightening and inexplicable situation. All the while in the hopes that eventually some grown-ups will come to the res- come to rescue them. However, after a while, it becomes clear that something is watching over them. That's, dude, I want to watch that. I bet tra- that's creepy as hell. The trailer looked, because it's shot like an old 70s. Yeah. An old 70s. It's yeah, all even grainy. even floor model TV. And... Yeah, yeah. So well, it looks like it, it looks like it's going to, it's going to tap into that that old that age old feeling of like i'm alone in the house yeah it's got the kind of buzz you know the first time you saw this kind of buzz was blair witch yeah that was such a huge success then time jump that first paranormal activity blew up just Mm -hmm. this has got that kind of buzz around it and i would still i would still argue that the very first paranormal activity that was a fun experience oh yeah uh, can't say much for the sequels, but the the the, the initial oh absolutely yeah. like the the first Blair Witch movie is still like when you watch it you're like man it's do there the were people that thought it was real like, it's the it's the it's the grandpappy uh, found footage horror movie or at least like. At least for me, like it's the one by which most others are judged, you know. Right. Yeah, I'll, I want to check that out though, man, because oh, yeah. the trailer looked so um, interesting. Can we? Uh, can we pod lock it? Oh yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm not watching it alone, Trav. Or I might get possessed. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can't. We. I mean, I'll. I'll exercise the demon, but it's going to be fucking crazy, Griffin. Like, <laughs> Please document it. I mean, you're going to be throwing up on Marina. Like, Adam's going to be trying to close a window that's just got a really strong breeze going, and it's fucking with him. Like, I'm going to be throwing holy water, like, not at you, but, like, behind you, chanting weird shit. You're fucking hovering. Vomit's still happening. Marina hasn't wisened up and moved yet. She's still getting puked on. Like it's fucking it's it's madness. Zeno will bring me back. She'll bring me back. But yeah, that's all I saw today. I mean, of course there's a lot of speculation on the uh Ant Man trailer. Um, but of course nothing's been officially confirmed yet and you know. 
that that's about the extent of it right now. <laughs> so we're still waiting on some news from HQ over at WB to figure out what's going on over there, what their their release slate would be. I'm yeah. hoping uh I'm thinking we should be getting a trailer for Dune Part Two soon. Yeah, it comes out later this year, right? Yeah, so I'm hoping. Well, which we've got the Super Bowl coming up, so I mean, yeah. we will. Trailers yeah. are on the way. There'll be another yeah. Ant Man bit. The yeah. Super Bowl. I almost, sure. you know, I'm, 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 I almost don't want to leave. No <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. leave it with what we just got because that was good enough. Oh yeah. Um, What's crazy too is if you know if they're showing all that, there's way more. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the that's the anticipation, man. And yeah, it's uh, it it's. I saw an article somewhere. I meant to actually drop it where they had interviewed the, the writer. Uh, yeah, the, and they, they were, were like, talking about how level of civil war. Well, that too. Yeah, they said yeah. that like how Kang. Kang's seriousness is the perfect balance to Paul Rudd's comedy. Because the Ant-Man movies are like we like we've brought up they're 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 the funnier of the Marvel movies. Yeah. And it's it, one of the most lighthearted characters of the roster is the one that we're going to get introduced to the next big threat. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was interesting enough. I'm excited about these trailers. Specifically this first one, because this kind of came out of nowhere. I think it's based on the original. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like a remake of the, the D-Silent, of course. Yeah. But I think that's where they're going with it. I've watched that original where he's dragging the coffin around. Yeah, if there's if there's no coffin in this movie, ah, looks like it's going to be a, a it's in the a trash series. with everything else. Ten episodes. Hell yeah, dude! I don't know if I would have gone. Oh, yeah, people love Yellowstone. Let's capitalize on this. Is that a doll? <laughs> yeah, I think a doll's in here. Let's peep it. Yeah, let's go. All right, three, two, one, play. Oh, that top hat. Oh, yeah. It's got guns in it. Is that? That ain't Vigo Morrison, is it? Maybe. Can't get a good look at him. Nah, he ain't in it. A dog.
Hmm. Don't look bad. Am I the only one that thought that that looked way better than it needed to be? Yeah. Like, it looked pretty good, man. I mean, it looks better than the damn movie. If y'all ever seen it's old spaghetti western. Saw the coffin was like, dirt's got his coffin. Shit, it's... Whenever they fucking first started doing that free movie shit, it was one of the first ones they put up. Really? Yeah, I saw it on there and was like, oh, I watched it on YouTube. Hell yeah, dude. Like Django. Django. Yeah, Django, Django, sharper. This has got Trinity Killer in it, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, a two four. This is B three five. And I think this is a two four with Apple. They've been doing a lot with Apple lately. Yeah, right. All Apple's right. like, we got money. We'll just give yeah. it to you. <laughs> Uh, we're down. We'll be your streaming service. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, play. Oh, that's all. What's his name there? Yeah. Fucked up smacking the Winter Soldier like that. It's like, knock if you buck. Julianne Moore in the in the Real Housewives of John Lithgow. I'm ripping him off. With a metal arm. Greed the movie. I have a feeling that Lithgow's going to put on an acting clinic, though, you know? For sure. Like, he's going to get, yeah, he's going to get down and dirty with it. So, is this a follow-up to is. the Belushi history of the world? The um, 1982? Uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, wasn't John yeah. Belushi in that? 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. Part one. It's been like 60. No, it ain't been that long. It's been a minute though, dude. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, play. Is he going to be able to get away with it? Whoa. <laughs> Netfish. <laughs> I'm here for I mean, it. Yeah. Surprised it got a got the You know, some line. of the younger crew there had to be like, you know what we should do? It's a great idea. Well it's it like, seems to me like that that trailer proved one thing. Considering all the people at least all the faces when Mel Brooks calls you answer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. But he did space balls. <laughs> space balls. Space balls the toilet paper, space balls oh. the cereal. <laughs> so we got some some Liam Neeson. He's gonna some venture Liam. off into another character, Marlowe. Okay. I want to be oh, into right. some stand-up comedy. <laughs> it's got fucking Jessica Lang in it. All right. Let's peep it. Three, two, one, play. Who'd they take now? It's like taking <laughs> it. It's in the 30s. Yeah. Oh, that's it looks cool. <laughs> He should play Dick Tracy. Yeah.
the police won't touch you. But I will. Liam Neeson is Marlowe. He pairs nicely with a great Merlot. I mean, I'm not going to lie, dude. I kind of am a sucker for stuff like that. So. I feel like I feel like after you eat that or eat that after you watch that, you go eat Subway oh, and talk about it. It's a remake. 1969. The old woman hires a warmer. A warmer? Hires a detective to find her missing brother. Oh, my. Yeah. James Garner played him. The police can't touch you, but I can. (laughs) Had Carol O'Connor in it. He he always playing a cop. Yeah. I'm for it, dude. I'm a sucker for things like for movies like that. So, you know, oh, KG. This our Bali. This our Bali. It's got 10 million views. Jesus. Okay. I mean, da da da, dude. Just a little over a million for every month. It's been out. <laughs> Just a little million. <laughs> I'm ready, man. All right. Three, two, one, play. Mm hmm. I noticed that the, the voiceover in here is like distorted in some spots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When they're doing the voiceover, they're like, more bass. Turn the bass up. A lot of build-up. Is there going to be a dance number? <laughs> violence, violence, violence. Movies should just like be called f- violence, you know? It's like the Fast and the Furious, dude. 
distorted. Violence, violence, violence. There was the first one. Violence, violence, violence. <laughs> it's so epic, dude. Like Everything that. they make. I'm yeah. for it, though. That was... You like violence? That was intense, guys. Like, we saw everything, but not like, nothing. Uh, yeah. I mean... I don't know about you guys, but that ridiculous shot of all that concentrated fire from all those cars. Violence. Uh, but violence likes me. Anyway. Don't call me daughter. Don't call me name. They've got to have this. That song's got to play in this trailer, right? It's an indie film. If from... I can afford it. I mean, <laughs> I'll recut it with it if it's not in there. <laughs> I want that dude to finish that song. Now going Griffin two five six. Please subscribe. <laughs> we'll recut it later. You know. I mean, I'm shreddy. All right, three, two, one, play. Violence. Uh-huh. You're lying. I'm chained to a block, motherfucker, you know? Is that fucking Casper? <laughs> okay. Casper Van Dien? Don't call me daughter. This, uh, this takes some uh, daddy issues to the extreme. I would most definitely, first of all, recut that trailer with that Pearl Jam song. And then mm-hmm. I do want to watch it. It looks interesting. I like the way it's shot. 
Makes me think of uh, that Steve Carell show, The Patient. Mm-hmm. Kind of has like that type of lighting and like shot set up and everything. Legions. And the millions and millions. All right. I drew my comment. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, play. Mm hmm. Man, the Terraria movie looks crazy. He's like, shit's about to get real green inferno up in here. Oh. Is this this Spanish Constantine? Violence. That was my wrestling name in high school, Devil's Thing. <laughs> so here's the thing: the the structure of the trailer is shit, but the shots actually look good. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look bad at all. This dropped today. Yeah, wow. I saw it on um, IGN. Cause there's like, you know, Mandalorian season three on IGN. And I was like, wait a minute. I, I haven't even seen this. So yeah, I haven't watched it. I'm going made cause I saw it uploaded to one of those like trailer channels. And I was like, is this mm-hmm. a fucking recut or is this some concept shit? Yeah. That's why I pulled it from the star Wars UK. March the 1st. Let's I'm see excited. what Pedro's up to. Yeah. Pedro. Let's watch some movies. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, play. Mm hmm. Hmm. 
He's like, no, really. In this direction, this is the way. Mm. <laughs> Man, I can't wait. I mean, someone, someone get this, someone get this show a back brace because it's fucking carrying Star Wars. Even though that last shot of Groku was. Just, cheesy as fuck but i mean it kind of comes with the territory yeah but bring it on man i'm down dt dubs is yeah dude always always dt dubs so um i'm gonna watch i know that you guys have watched it already but i'm gonna watch the uh this past week and next week's uh, episodes of The Last of Us so we can start um, taking care of that on the pod, if if that's cool with y'all. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if uh, Adam has brought it up, Griff, but just so you know, the pacing on episode one is breakneck totally that it long. does. Yeah, it's a long one. That's fine. I'll, I'll squeeze it in, dude. It's like squeezing a fucking... Popping a tit, dude. I'll get it in there. <laughs> I'll get it in there. No worries. Yeah, so we said we would I mean, do. Go ahead. I was just going to say it brings new meaning to the words planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, right. We have to come up with something for next week. We're doing Black Panther on the 31st. And then the, and then sequel the second one drops week. on the 1st. So, yeah. So we need another one between now and then. So Bullet Train is yeah. still a thing. Yep, I haven't watched that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been waiting for you guys to want to watch Let's it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm I'm down with more pit. I need more pit in my life, dude. Pit Perry Pimbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pimpaday Pimpaday. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm down with that. I've yeah. heard good things. So an all star cast. Yeah. Home run, Barry. That's it. It's like Wagon Jacks on the mile. Uh, uh, what are you gonna say? Uh, I was just gonna say it seems like it's gonna be two hours of the train sequence from Mission Impossible, and I'm down with that. Yeah, right. I'm here for it. Bullet train. 